Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to another edition of the programme on what is another lovely, warm, sunny day. And it is looking like this warm, sunny weather is going to stick with us, certainly over the next few days and even a little bit longer. There was highs yesterday in some parts of the country of 25 degrees. And Meta Erin are saying that this pleasantly warm weather is going to remain with us for several days uh, to uh, come uh, today nice warm sunny day much the same for tomorrow highs 20 to 23 uh, degrees and the best of the sunshine tomorrow Met Aaron say is going to be with us here in the south Monday and Tuesday of next week now there is the, sli- the slight chance of an isolated shower at the start of the week but then Wednesday we're back again to nice sunny weather and temperatures will be in the low 20s and the rest of next week is expected to stay mostly dry sunny spells daytime highs generally high teens, low uh, 20s and the high pressure is going to stay with us until the following weekend, Saturday and Sunday of next weekend is when some unsettled conditions are likely to arrive but another nice week ahead of good weather which is absolutely terrific just as the kiddies are going back to school 1850 333103 John Paul taking your calls, you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and the return to schools very much on the cards for people, some children already starting to go back to school uh, this week but the bulk of the schools all of the children will be back at their desks uh, next week and it's kind of sad and worrying to read in in the papers that the return to school is placing a huge burden on so many parents and it is prompting calls for more government investment into our education system because we speak about our education system and we speak about living in a country that has free education and you'll say that to any parent who is getting a child ready to head to school today or next week and they'll say free education, free education me I. The Societies of Vincent de Paul have gone public to say that they took nearly 300 calls a day every day last week and that was from parents who were struggling to meet the back to school uh, costs. The huge cost of iPads and tablets are proving of particular concern to some families. Many of these devices of course cost several hundred euro. Now I know you might buy it for a child going into first year and then they'll have it with them for certainly a few years until their junior search but it's the initial outlay of a family struggling trying to come up with two, maybe 300 euro for the cost of the tablets. 
it's just simply uh, for a family that is struggling they simply don't have it and that's what St Vincent de Paul are saying. The charity say the level of demand for its services underlies the need now for greater investment in the education system by the government to ensure that the young can participate on an equal footing and that everybody goes into a classroom. Everyone is going to be on the same level playing uh, field and other costs um, that are proving problematic for families uh, relate to the request for financial help for parental contributions, the so-called voluntary contributions. Now, and I won't knock the schools on this one because the schools will say we have no other choice if we want to keep the electric bill paid, if we want to keep the heating paid, the insurance costs and just the general running costs of the school, we have no other choice but we have to go to the parents to say you're going to have to help us out. They get a capitation from the government and that's per the number of pupils in the school but the schools simply say everything else is rising in costs. Costs are going up as any household will tell you. Costs are rising and yet what the capitation, how much the Department of Education is paying the schools, that is not increasing along with the other bills, along with their outlay. So the schools say we've no other choice. We have to look to the parents but it is all under a voluntary contribution scheme but that's putting huge pressure on families. Then families are talking about the cost of school books and just the general cost of returning to school with your uniforms, your school, your your school shoes, the bag, the pencils, the buyers, everything else that goes with going back to school, and the pressure is really coming at a time when many families are struggling. We know we've seen utility costs uh, rising. I mean, energy providers increased the price of energy three times this year, and add to that families who maybe have lost hours because of the pandemic families who've lost jobs because of the pandemic. So, you know, this is probably the worst year for families struggling to get their children back into the classroom. And I know a number of weeks ago we spoke with the Irish League of Credit Unions. They did their annual back to school uh, costs and they found yet again that to get a child out of the door and into the classroom has once again got up, gone up and to kit out a child for going back to school for the, this is the average cost for parents. For a secondary school child, it came in at just under €1,500 and then the cost of sending a child to primary school came in just shy of €1,200. That was according to the survey that was done by the credit union. And of course, when I was speaking with the credit union at the time about the cost, I was making the point, you know, coming up with €1,500 to get a child into secondary school is tough enough. But if you have more than one child in the household, and as many of our families do, it can be a huge, huge outlaying cost. So Vincent de Paul said that school costs can be a daily struggle uh, for students from low-income families when schools have to make the switch to online learning during the lockdown closure. It was VDP, they were the ones who uh, stepped up and gave significant support to low-income families because many low-income families didn't have the digital devices, didn't have the broadband, couldn't afford the internet. So it was V2P stepped in there and helped so many families in order that their children could get involved with home uh, homeschooling at the time. Vincent de Paul say that for struggling parents, the preparation for the new school year is a source of stress. There is particular anxiety associated with the requests for contributions or other expenses. Then you've got the things like the extracurricular activities that a lot of families will only be faced with once the children go back into the classroom. And the charity now is urging schools to please be aware and be mindful 
of the needs of low income students and their families. And I know principals are really good about if a family contacts them to say, look, we're struggling at the moment. But I know whenever I've mentioned that, particularly when it comes to the voluntary contribution over the years, I would have had you know heartbreaking letters in from families saying, you know, our school is looking for so much voluntary contribution. Husband has lost his job. We're struggling to pay the mortgage. I really don't have this money. And when I would say to a family, contact the school, let the school know, because the school might be aware that a family has you know lost income or that they're struggling with their mortgage. But if you let the schools know, schools have been really good about accommodating families and not forcing any families to pay a voluntary contribution but for a lot of families they find that very difficult to pick up the phone and to contact a school principal to say that we're struggling at the moment and you know people have pride and they don't like to admit that they don't want their son or daughter to be the only one in the classroom who's not paying a voluntary contribution or is not paying for an extra outside of school extra uh, curricular uh, activity. It's just very difficult. Everybody wants their child to be in the classroom and to be on that same level playing field as the child that they're sitting uh, beside. So that's where Vincent de Paul are saying the government need to step up, step up. They need to be putting more financial investment into our education system so that schools are not forced to go to the parents uh, to look for more money. 1850 John Paul taking your calls uh, this morning. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Very distressing to look at the photographs. All of the papers picking up on a photograph of two wounded women arriving at a hospital for treatment after the two blasts which killed at least 72 people outside the airport in Kabul uh, yesterday. Such frightening, frightening scenes because there are tens of thousands of people trying to get into the airport uh, in Kabul. And you can imagine when that explosion went off. But to be living in Afghanistan at the moment just doesn't bear uh, thinking about. And I know our own Amnesty International Executive Director Colin O'Gordon Gorman said that we have the gravest of concerns for anyone now in Kabul who has not been able to, to leave, whether they're Irish citizens who have not been able to be evacuated or any of those who will be at risk of reprisals from the Taliban. He says every measure possible should be made to make sure that those who need to flee can get out of Afghanistan as quickly as possible. And actually 18 Irish people were actually on board a military plane which was parked on the runway of Kabul Airport. Now, its doors were still open. They were still getting people on board when that bomb went off just outside the airport. The pilot of the flight, which then left minutes uh, earlier, had to take uh, evasive action after Afghan forces fired into the air to disperse the crowds, desperately fighting for a way out. Because obviously you can imagine big crowds of people and a bomb goes off. People don't know what direction to actually run in and there were fears then that the airport runway would have to be closed after the bomb which has been claimed now by the Islamic State after it went off but around the same time as the explosion a photograph from inside it was a Finnish military jet had been sent to Dublin and that was evidence that the Irish group were safe and they were on board on the plane and they were waiting to taxi down the runway to take off but then obviously minutes after that photograph was taken the bomb uh, went off and then there was an extremely nervous period until eventually the flight managed to take off and made it out of Kabul uh, airspace and the Irish of course included the two two army rangers 
and a senior uh, diplomat. They were later transferred then onto a commercial flight to Helsinki and then they'll fly back to Dublin from Helsinki if they haven't already arrived back by now. And of course, yesterday marked the end of the dramatic two days in Afghanistan for the emergency consular assistant team that Simon Coveney sent out that was made up of two diplomats and nine elite army rangers. And during the period that they were there, the 48 hours that they were at Kabul airport, they have helped to rescue 26 Irish citizens and residents, in addition to the 10 who were evacuated in the days before their arrival. However, the number of people in Afghan, if, if, in Afghanistan now with a legal link to Ireland, that has grown substantially because initially we'd been talking about 35 people, but in the past 48 hours, 40 more Irish passport holders now, these are Irish passport holders of Afghan origin. They have now contacted the Department of Foreign Affairs saying that they need help to get out. And there's 40 of them. And then they also have around 20 family members. Now, some of those seeking help, uh, you'd question why are they in Afghanistan at the moment? It seems some of them had used the school holidays to travel from Ireland to Afghanistan to visit relatives. They hadn't anticipated that the Taliban's rapid takeover of the country would happen so fast like everybody knew that the Americans were going to get out. I think September 11th was due to be the day that they would finally pull out. So Afghani Afghans, Afghan people living in Ireland thought this might be the last summer that they could go back to visit relatives so they did and then little did they realise how quickly the Taliban would take over the country and now they're stuck in Afghanistan desperately trying to get out. Consular efforts will continue to aid what is now 75 uh, people who want to get out and that will be led by teams in Abu Dhabi and from teams in Dublin. There's no clear passage for them at the moment out of Afghanistan but officials are hoping to get support from human rights organisations and of course very brave uh, human rights organisations are deciding to remain on the ground beyond the end of August when the Americans are finally pulling out. One source says as of now they're all safe they're all in phone contact with them or our embassies are but nobody knows who's going to be safe after the 31st of August and many of the 36 Irish who've been rescued over the past week are said to have benefited from help from sympathetic British troops who've had presence around the airport the Germans and the Netherlands have also helped to airlift Irish citizens out the Irish government jet now that had been sent and it has been stationed in Abu Dhabi and they put it in place this week as a contingency measure they're now saying that that's going to return to Ireland and in a statement last night Simon Coveney thanked the consular team and the army rangers who went out for their rapid deployment in such a challenging and complex environment and for their excellent work in securing the successful evacuation of the 26 people who I imagine are very very grateful that that team headed to Kabul I managed to get them out literally in the nick of time. Imagine being on the plane and to hear the bombs go off. And Michael is saying, uh, Patricia, hi, I can't get my head around the mentality of those people who are still in Afghanistan. They knew ages and ages ago that the US would be pulling out of there. They've known for months and yet it looks like they made no effort to leave until the 11th hour. Why these people went there on the first day beats me. The US have evacuated 104,000 plus from there at a huge 
risk and cost of life to their forces and we know that some of the Americans were killed yesterday. Nobody in their sane senses would want to be in a war-torn country like Afghanistan, especially with so many different tribes there and that complicates matters more. You don't know who is who. Now they want to get out of there, tens of thousands of them. Uh, thanking you, says Michael. As I say, some of the families are saying that they left Ireland to go back to Afghanistan to see family. They thought that they were going to be safe, but we now know that that wasn't the case. And then another listener is worried about the they, this is a West Cork listener says okay so Ireland has let in a good number of Afghan refugees so I don't know if you call it a good number I think in total they're, uh, they're giving refugee status I think it's about 150 at the moment even though there are talks that that number will increase this West Cork listener is worried about how do we know the background of the people have they all been checked who have been left in I know anything I have read about about any of the refugees that have arrived are in the main people who've been working with the forces on the ground and these are people like the translators and people who've been helping the armed forces on the ground for the last 20 years to try and get the country back to some kind of uh, normality. So yes, well, they've had background checks, uh, absolutely. Uh, and they're ones who will be most at risk of been retaliation from the, ter- from the Taliban for helping out what they would see as the foreign forces uh, who came into their country. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, Cork East Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy James O'Connor is eager to see the return of large-scale events such as electric picnic this year, saying that a roadmap for the return of events like these needs to be introduced, especially as vaccination rates are rising. Deputy James O'Connor uh, joins me. Good morning to you, James. Good morning, Patricia. And Thanks for having me. Well, you're very welcome. Now, the Chief Medical Officer, Tony Houlihan, also very much in favour of outdoor events and actually mentioned an uh, electric picnic. But would you agree with him that it should be only for the vaccinated? I certainly believe so. Uh, Ireland now has one of the highest vaccination rates in the world uh, for a, a developed country. Uh, I think that there needs to be a dividend for people who have done the responsible thing and gone and got vaccinated. Of course, that is with the caveat that there are some people who may be classed as vulnerable, uh, who may be not able to receive a vaccination or have chosen not to receive a vaccination for important health reasons that have been already identified. And there is opportunities there uh, to make exemptions. But for the vast majority of the adult population now, and now even into into older children, uh, the vaccination process is continuing at a very rapid pace. Thousands of people who are listening to, to, our, to the radio show here today, Patricia, who got vaccinated in places like Mallow and Pocky Cleave, and even down in, in CIT, you know, they want to know what they're getting in return for their vaccination. And I think it's very important that we see a, a return to large-scale events uh, that can be done on, uh, be done safely, uh, that have been done in other countries through pilot events. And I think we should be looking at doing that in Ireland as well, for the arts as well as in sport. Were you disappointed to hear Leash County Council saying they won't go back on their earlier decision to reject planning permission for electric picnic? I think I was. I, I, I certainly was, to be honest. Um, you know, the Electric Picnic Festival happens on an annual basis. The organiser in particular who has to be singled out, uh, who is Melvin Ben. I've met with Melvin. Uh, Melvin has actually organised uh, multiple very successful events uh, throughout the COVID-19 pandem- pandemic in the United Kingdom. 
you know, he has shown that there is a template to have music festivals without uh, having to deal with some of the challenges around COVID-19 outbreaks, proving that they can be done successfully. And I was very anxious to see that Melbourne would be given an opportunity to do something in the Republic of Ireland. I don't think the battle is lost in that regard either. And I think these county councils should review their decision. Uh, you know, once that is done, it obviously would have to go back to government for further consideration as well. But we've just seen the successful hosting of an All-Ireland final, although the result wasn't successful for Fox this year. I do think that, you know, it has given us a template to show that we can get crowds back in outdoor venues uh, en masse again. Uh, and, and I, and I also I, coming into it yeah, as well. I, I think you're making a very valid point as well when you look to other countries who have managed to have very successful pilot events, huge numbers of people uh, attending. And we have to add to it the point that you've made. There's nobody better than us when it comes to our vaccination rate. So we'd even be safer holding a pilot event than any other country. Exactly. Uh, and a strong point I'd like to make, I, I'd like to see us doing these things now in the months of September and October and August before we go into the depths of the winter. Obviously, there is challenges on our health system every winter and early during the spring. So I think we should be looking at having these types of events now before we go into the winter months where, you know, there is going to be uh, increased concerns about outbreaks of COVID-19. Obviously, the challenges this time are, are, are far different to what they were 12 months ago. We almost have a fully vaccinated population. We have technology to scan people who are vaccinated uh, entering into venues, and the same as that we have for indoor dining at the moment. So I think that is the opportunity I want to see us taking advantage of. Uh, and it's also the point that I think for all of us who've gone through and got our vaccine, there needs to be rewards for that as well. And I think seeing a return to uh, to the arts and culture, but also as well has to be stated for sporting events, everything from horse racing to our county finals. You know, there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes to improve capacity at these different events. And even the simple things as well, Patricia, including, uh, you know, I think the in particular of the of the, the, the live music um, uh, at weddings as well, that has come up as a very, very a big issue for many, many people and the simple things that we're all missing out on mm. to be looked at by government. But. Yeah, you know, and I think while a lot of people were delighted to hear Tony Houlihan cite and talk about electric picnic, I think there was some surprise when he came out and saying, look, I don't have a problem with the electric picnic uh, going ahead. Should the Minister of Health have had an earlier conversation with Tony Houlihan about electric picnic. I mean, the big problem is it's very much the 11th hour that they're saying, oh yeah, it's okay for electric picnic to go ahead. But that's not an event that can be organised overnight. My my major criticism of NIFIS really over the last number of months has been that they didn't sit for a number of weeks during the summer break. I think that was unacceptable given the, the crisis that faced the country. Uh, you know, I would have liked to have seen uh, a more regular meetings with NIFIS during the summer months. Uh, and I think from the government's point of view as well, there was uh, a bit of a break in terms of meetings that should probably not have happened. And I, I, I was quite vocal about that before that actually took place. So I think it's important now we're facing back into, you know, the resumption of the Dahl term in September. Uh, it's very important that government would urgently look at, at some of the very key issues and concerns that are affecting people and how they go about their daily lives. Uh, and I think from the point of view of COVID restrictions as well, we need to, I think, to push push the boat out a little bit further in terms of the return to, to socialising by doing it in a responsible manner, making sure that there are events organised where people who are fully vaccinated can do so in, on a safe basis. And the reality is, 
uh, is that the vast majority of people now are vaccinated. The adult population uh, in, in Ireland is almost a fully vaccinated uh, percentage. Uh, so for, for those that are listening, uh, this, this, this won't have any major impact on your lives if you're going to go about implementing the digital green certificate for live entertainment, for, for sporting events, whether it's the return to, to horse racing or going to concerts again or to, or, 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 or to the opera house or any of these cultural events that we are missing out on at the moment. Uh, so that's something I would like to see an urgent plan being brought forward by Minister Catherine Martin in, in, her, in her department, which has responsibility for the arts. Uh, I have to compliment my colleague Jack Chambers, who recently visited Cork East to meet with many of our sporting organisations and clubs in the area, uh, who has done a lot of work to get crowds back to sporting events. And also on the issue of horse racing, which is very important to people in Cork East, I want to see crowds back at horse racing again. And live music back at weddings, which I think is very, very important. Okay, dear much wonder, one of our listeners says, could you ask James, does he think we could host electric picnic somewhere in Cork? If Leash don't want it, surely there's a venue we could have it here in Cork. I certainly think there's an opportunity there. You know, even just Ballo Race Courses only out the road from, from the radio station. Patricia, there's venues like that uh, around the county that would be able to host events like this. Um, you know, I, I certainly think our stadiums as well, there might be opportunities if the overnight aspect of electric picnic was, was cancelled for this year, that they, we could see a lot of one-night venues that could appear, um, you know, tr- throughout the country, not alone in Cork, but in other parts of the country. But if I could just come back to the decision by Leash County Council, I think it was the wrong decision to make. I think it was a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, but I'd be very confident that looking at what Medicine Ben has done in other countries, that he can do so successfully in the Republic of Ireland. And given where we are with the success, success of our vaccine rollout, that we certainly uh, should look at the opportunity of, of, of having live concerts uh, returning to the Republic of Ireland again. OK, and, and I know the organisers of Electric Picnic say time is running out. They need to know if it is to go ahead. I think I heard somebody saying Monday is the deadline. If they don't know by Monday, they haven't a hope of, of organising it. Somebody else says, should antigen testing be introduced at these events? The antigen testing is certainly a point that has been uh, very much made by many members of the Oireachtas, including myself. Uh, I've done so directly to Dr. Tony Hoolan when he was before the Transport Committee. Uh, and NIFIS uh, seems to have been very resistant to the implementation of antigen testing. You know, if we're looking at antigen testing in the context of higher education, I think it does have a role to play in other locations where you have control settings, like a stadium, like a loop music festival, where there are crowd control uh, measures in place. Uh, and it is easy to implement antigen testing. I suppose the concern really, Patricia, with antigen testing was that for many people there was a concern there that they would not do the antigen test correctly and that the result would be inconclusive or you would get the wrong results um, in terms of, of whether somebody was positive or negative for COVID-19. I actually use them quite regularly. Uh, as you can imagine, as, as a TD for my constituency, I'm out meeting a lot of people. I do it uh, for other people's safety more than my own because I am fully vaccinated now. And I think that they do have a critical role to play in terms of, 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 of battling against COVID-19 and limiting outbreaks as well. OK, Connor says, bring on electric picnic. I think having a festival like this would actually encourage some of the younger people who may not have gone forward for vaccines and who may have been a bit hesitant. It might encourage them to get the vaccine. And that's a good point, that if they saw that they were getting something back by being vaccinated. Definitely. And from my perspective, I think that's the opportunity that we want to see government realising, we want to see NEFIC realising, is that a lot of younger people would very much appreciate government taking action to see a return to live events. You know, for younger people, they've, they've made enormous sacrifices during COVID-19. 
you know, this is a simple gesture. It doesn't make up for many of the things that people have missed out on over the last year. But if I was uh, advising government to do something to award younger people, I think this would be something that, you know, would mean an awful lot to a lot of people. OK, and the COVID subcommittee, they're meeting today, isn't it? Uh, the COVID subcommittee is going to be meeting uh, over the next number of days. Okay. Uh, also, in terms of government, we will see a resumption of government meetings around large-scale events. Also, a critical thing to mention for a lot of people is that the government committee in charge of capacity at sporting events met in the last number uh, of days, I think it met on Wednesday, uh, and they're looking at the capacity of sporting events um, for the next number of weeks. But it'll be Tuesday before we hear anything for sure? Uh, from my perspective, I think that at the start of September, we're going to learn a lot more about the government's roadmap in terms of the return of large-scale events. Uh, and I would imagine by the end of September as well, we would have a roadmap for the next number of months about about what, I suppose, live events, live entertainment uh, and everything to match capacity and capacity at any sporting event is going to look like. Okay. And of course, with the caveat that we won't have any other further okay. variants of COVID-19. Oh. Okay, we'll leave it there, James. Thank you for that. Thank and thanks for, sure. uh, for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Corky's Fianna Fáil Deputy James O'Connor. Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 A number of residents in Kinsale are considering moving due to a vile smell from the wastewater treatment plant in the area. To find out what's going on, West Cork Social Democrat uh, TD Holly Kearns uh, joins me. Good morning to Holly. Good morning, Patricia. Now, just how bad is this smell? Um, so I met with the, the residents in Kinsale um, over the kind of inaction from the mallards coming from the plant. And, you know, even when I was there, I could smell it. And to be honest, it is vile and residents have been logging this issue with Irish Water uh, for a while now but the response has unfortunately been quite inadequate and it's having a massive impact on the kind of quality of life in the community. You referenced there that residents um, have told me it's so bad they're considering moving. And That's drastic action to take. I mean if that somebody would consider selling up and moving to somewhere else. I suppose if you imagine the reality of it, you know you have to close your windows on a hot day, you don't want the children out playing on the green because it smells so bad. There's all of those things and Irish Water Engineers have visited the site and informed us that the plant is functioning as it should be. But the smell there, Patricia, clearly indicates that's not true. So I've requested another meeting with Irish Water because this is interesting, Patricia. The last time I had a meeting with them about this, they told me that there um, shouldn't be any additional waste going into the plant, um, but that the problems in Kinsale could be caused by illegal dumping of waste going into the plant. So I sent an, um, another email to Irish Water to get some clarity on this point and asked if there were any companies using the plant to dispose of wastewater um, using tankers. And they replied saying that that would form part of the investigation, which would lead you to believe that there isn't any and if there were, it would be illegal. However, correspondence has been forwarded to me between somebody else in Irish Water referencing a DBO contractor, Jaunton, um, offloading material there. Um, in the correspondence, they're discussing the delivery times for that offloading. So I'm looking forward to my next meeting with Irish Water to get some clarity on that and other things. Because in addition to that, Patricia, we have been asking residents to keep a record of extreme malodors in their residences and encouraging them to log it with Irish Water and then to also flag it with us. And we requested the odour logs from Irish Water. So just to give you a few examples of the contradictions between the two, on the 1st, the 9th and the 15th of July, residents noted uh, the vile smell. On those same days, Irish Water recorded none. They consistently record that there is no smell. 
But I visited the area, like I said, and can assure you that there 100% is. And like all in recent weeks, in one response, they're saying that according to their investigations, the plant is functioning as it should be. And in another, only last week, they noted that the plant was overloaded uh, three times in the previous week. And in the same week, they're also saying now that they suspect the smell might be coming from the tide. So, I mean, the level of kind of fobbing people off and avoiding taking responsibility is just unreal. They keep saying the investigation is ongoing. But it's just really frustrating because is it don't... is it an all year round problem or is it worse during hot weather? It seems to be worse during the summer months, but it, okay. it's, it's we're not sure. Like that could be because the heat could amplify the smell, but also because there's a lot more people in Kinsale in the summer. It's a very popular mm-hmm. holiday destination, so perhaps the plant just isn't suitable for that increase in population during the summer months. But like ultimately, people don't keep logging complaints with them for the crack. They do it because there's clearly a problem. So we don't need continued investigations on this anymore. We need action. And it's not good enough that people are treated like this. You know, it's just one of so many examples of Irish water shortcomings. Like Kinsale is one example. There are numerous cases of inadequate water infrastructure in West Cork and all over Cork County. Um, And they need proper investment. I've raised this consistently with Irish Water and with the government. You know, we've been working extensively on similar issues in Belgooley and in Shannon Vale. I know there's issues in Mallow. I've raised these issues numerous times in the door, but government always passed the book back to Irish Water. So I think this situation as well, more broadly, really highlights the knock-on effect of privatising these public services. Because when the state provides a service, they have an obligation to people to provide a good or and a responsibility. Yeah. And do you and know a private company doesn't? Do you and know from the residents how long has the plant been giving out this foul smell? Yeah, like when we first got in touch with Irish Water about it, they were saying, well, look, we haven't heard anything about it. There's no complaints over the last year. But like in speaking to the residents more, you know, years ago, um, or I think going back as far as 2017, anyway, I'd have to double check that, Patricia, but a few years ago, people were logging complaints with Irish Water. Because nothing was done about it, they eventually gave up. You know, people don't want to spend their time getting in touch with Irish Water, dealing with these issues. But I suppose it's just progressively been getting worse and it's gotten to a stage now where they really are at the end of their tether. So... Like that, when I first got in touch with Irish Water, they said, oh, we have no record of this. But of course they had in previous years and maybe they didn't look back far enough, I'm not sure. But it seems like they're always trying to kind of evade and avoid these situations. And, you know, to be fair to Irish Water, like I've met with them a lot, like I said, over issues in Belgooley and Shannon Vale. And like ultimately, our wastewater infrastructure in this country is dreadful. And the priority for Irish Water is often, you know, putting in wastewater treatment plants where there is none, where we have raw sewage going into our waterways. And we know the damage that's being done to our water quality. So you can sort of understand why they're like, oh, we need to prioritise these areas that have absolutely no treatment. However, ultimately, we need more investment in this. You know, it, it's so important for communities like those in Kinsale, and it's not just in the estate where the, the plant is next to. Surrounding estates in the area are starting to smell it and report it. Um. But, you I'm know, just also, thinking this gorgeous weather that we have at the moment, the thought of having to keep your doors and your windows closed. Stay there because I want to bring in uh, Fine Gael Councillor Kevin uh, Murphy, who is Kinsale-based uh, uh, and obviously very aware of this topic as well. Good morning to you, Kevin. Good morning, Patricia. Kevin, uh, wh- wh- what have you been able to find out from Irish Water? Well, I've, I haven't found out from Irish Water because I didn't answer my phone. But what I did find out was in detail was that the... EPS are the um, people who maintain the plant itself and they keep it in proper working order. <clears throat> now, I have been on to them for about two hours yesterday and I asked them to investigate the possibility of, uh, of um, 
some kind of a leak or some kind of a, a problematic area in relation to the treatment itself. They told me the plant is working 110%. And so where the, is uh, the smell coming from? Yeah, well, of course, this is the, this is the holy oil. Um, it happened before and a half a dozen times before. And there are some problematic areas, as far as I'm concerned, with the networking. The networks itself will have to be investigated and investigated quickly. And I think. And, and who's I, responsible I, for doing and, that? The Irish yes, Water. And Irish Water are responsible for that. And are they doing it? Well, I I would hope. Well, if they if they're not, I call upon them now to go and check it, because I'll tell you why. Uh, it's it's very simple to understand it quite distinctly. If, for argument's sake, that a person flushes the toilet, there's a certain length of time in when that sewage will enter the plant. If that's slowed down by any mechanism or any means, it would mean distinctly that the whole sewage system itself in that point would soar. And, and hence you'd get a really bad smell from get, it. You'll get yeah. when, it, when that reaches the plant itself late, late in time, with a, a day or so, maybe or a couple of hours, there's always a possibility that there will be orders coming from the plant because the plant will try and digest that as, as it goes in. Okay, and, and like what Deputy Holly Kearns has been saying, do you feel Irish Water are passing the buck on this one? Well, you would suggest that Irish Water would want to get their act together and investigate the possibility that there are problems with the network. Okay. Listen, it's an but issue... Just, just to clarify, that the Irish Water are investigating and keeping logs and we get updates on those logs. Okay. Unfortunately, the problem is that they're finding that the plant is functioning as it should be while simultaneously finding that it was overloaded three times last week. Yeah. Okay. listen, it's an issue we will return to. Thank you both, though, uh, for joining us on the programme. Social Democrat, uh, Dole Deputy for West Cork, Holly Kearns and also uh, Fianna Gael Councillor Kevin Murphy. 1850 333 103. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to cmig.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I've been told that the BBC were filming yesterday out on the Mizzenhead. What a glorious day they got to film out on the Mizzenhead. And the programme is due to air in October on BBC. If we get any definite date on when it's due to air, we'll let you know. Because, of course, earlier this year, the Mizzen did feature, remember, on the Adrian Dunbar's Coastal Ireland programme. And it featured other areas of uh, West Cork that was on Channel 5 over in the uh, UK. So we look forward to seeing what the BBC have filmed out on the Mizzenhead yesterday. But definitely they got a perfect day weather-wise for it. Okay, some of your commentary coming in on Electric Picnic that we discussed with James O'Connor and should the Electric Picnic event be going ahead this year? Mags in Crosshaven says, I totally agree with James O'Connor. Everybody obeyed the restrictions. We stood up and we took the vaccines, but where are our rewards, particularly for young people? When is normal life going to return? You can see why so many anti-vax people are coming out when it's taking so long to get things back to normal for those of us who are fully vaccinated. What else can they ask us to do? Jonathan in Glamour said we need to move on with our lives now. The majority of us are fully vaccinated. We need to have more personal responsibility and live with the virus. And I think that's very much going to be part of the plan when it gets announced next week of the route out of restrictions. I think a lot of it is going to be down to personal responsibility. They're going to ask people to 
assess themselves situations and if you feel uncomfortable then move on and don't attend but I think personal responsibility is something we're going to hear a lot more about with the roadmap out of COVID-19 for sure. Uh, Derek then in Yall uh, says tell James there's plenty of big fields in Yall so many indications where electric picnic could go ahead that was prompted by a listener who rang in when James was on asking was there any hope that we could bring it to uh, Cork if Leash local authority don't want it Uh, and Evelyn says years ago the mumps raged around Ireland and people were told to go and get vaccinated we learned to live with the virus now I know you can't compare coronavirus with the mumps but and it was totally totally different but we did get vaccinated and we did uh, move on Uh, there was vaccines available for mumps and measles not everybody got vaccinated and those that didn't ended up with the disease so similar will happen here but we do need to move on we do need to get on with our lives Tom in Rathgormick says why well everyone is talking about electric picnic what about those of us who used to attend social dancing thing in the past now people have vague recollections of wonderful nights out social dancing there's no talk about that well there is because social dancing and I don't know why but it whenever it gets discussed at government level it's lumped in with nightclubs and sort of when nightclubs start to reopen that's when you'll start to see local community halls and local hotels starting to offer social dancing and I don't know if you can compare like with like but anyway the powers that be seem to think that they're if you're talking about nightclubs, then you're talking about social dancing and they're looking about that. Certainly it should get mentioned next Tuesday when we see what the roadmap looks uh, like. If I was to make a guess, I would possibly say end of September, start of October. I think if they go with what Neffet are saying, telling them not to reopen indoor, large indoor activities until 90% of the population is fully vaccinated, then we're certainly looking at at least another probably six weeks certainly a month to six weeks so end of September beginning of October that would be my educated guess on it but don't quote me because I could be completely uh, wrong Uh, Dan says Patricia how did we ever manage without conversations and uh, road uh, maps how right you are uh, Dan it seems to be something we talk about now all of the time and then on WhatsApp uh, Michael says electric picnic how are you the country has gone crazy yes go ahead with it and they will guarantee us that there will be a complete not partial lockdown again immediately afterwards. County Leash planners the local authority were 100% correct not to give permission even to have it on a small scale every Tom, Dick and Harry would be at it forget it for this year I would say it wouldn't put and I wouldn't even be putting money on 2022 at the rate that we are going. And that's from uh, Michael. Well, let's wait and see what gets announced next week, Michael. And then on other ish, or just staying on the electric picnic, when the point that I was raising with James O'Connor, which is what Tony Houlihan had said, that if you're going to go ahead with an event like electric picnic, only have it for people who are fully vaccinated and that that James, to speak about the people who are fully vaccinated, needs to be rewarded in some way. And for younger people who got fully vaccinated then surely the reward could be to go to Electric Picnic Ross says I don't see why 
anyone should be rewarded for getting a vaccine. Some can't get it. So that simply is not fair on those for medical reasons who can't get a vaccine. Now, James O'Connor did mention that it's a very small group of people who can't, for on doctor's advice, get uh, vaccinated, but it would seem unfair on them. OK, and just on vaccines, because somebody was asking could about this on the walk-in vaccines and what who, would, who can go to the walk-in vaccines uh, this week across this weekend and next week and across next weekend. Walk-in vaccines are now available for children aged 12 to uh, 15. The HSE are telling parents and guardians you're being encouraged to bring your children, particularly those for their first or their second dose of the COVID-19 mRNA vaccine. The HSE wants to remind the public that consent obviously is required for a parent or a legal guardian. So anyone from the age of 12 onwards can attend any the vaccination clinics over the coming uh, week. For example, here in Cork City Hall, for the fourth weekend in a row now, City Hall will be offering walk-in vaccines on Saturday and Sunday between one and four. If you're in West Cork, Clannacilty GAA, next Monday, 30th of August, from quarter past nine until half past three. And then the following weekend, Clannacilty GAA, Saturday the 4th of September, and Sunday the 5th of September again 9.15 to half three in the afternoon. In Bantry Primary Care next Wednesday 9.15 to 3.30 and then Saturday the 4th of September and Sunday the 5th of September following week again walk-in vaccinations. You don't need appointment again 9.15 to 3.30 and the second dose of a vaccine If you're due a second dose, if you're 21 days after your first one, then you're entitled also to go along to any of those walk-in vaccination centres. And the vaccines being offered at the clinics are both the Pfizer and the Moderna. Of course, the Moderna is the same as the as the mRNA vaccine, same as the Pfizer. Now, we haven't given as much Moderna out as Pfizer. Certainly, when you're looking at the numbers of people who've received vaccines, uh, Pfizer is way ahead on, but they have Moderna, obviously, in stock now, so they're giving that out as well. We were talking about the bad smell emanating from the wastewater treatment plant in Kinsale. Robert says, Patricia, there's a very bad smell in Clannacilty. Does anybody have any information on that? What's the bad smell around Clannacilty? And I, I take it Clannacilty is very busy this week, last week at the school holidays and with the lovely weather, I take it. I saw pictures yesterday, certainly in Chidani looked packed yesterday. Lots of people out enjoying the sunshine, which is great. Talking about back to school, we also touched on that at the start of the programme today. The schools, says this texture, should all schools should have some kind of a book scheme whereby parents pay a small fee at the start of the school year and then you rent out the books or have an exchange book scheme. Some schools small number we don't have enough of them but some schools operate really good rental schemes there's an initial outlay which I think they get from the Department of Education and then parents pay so much every year and then they their children get all of the books it's a fantastic scheme and as I say some schools do and I don't know if more schools are getting involved in that uh, or not a lot of work involved in it but it certainly is hugely beneficial for parents and then another parent is talking about a local national school that had an extension built now the board of management of the school are coming to the parents looking for additional funds 
for the extras for the extension. Surely that was factored in in the initial cost of the price, said this parent. They're sending letters out to parents looking for people to uh, pay up. I think this is a disgrace. And John and Carrigaline says, Patricia, at the top of the programme, you mentioned parents struggling to put children back to school. What about Simon Coveney and the Department of Foreign Affairs and this government bringing more people into this country and housing them and sending the sending a consular team to Afghanistan? How much has that come? Cost. And more to the point, who is paying for it? It will be more in the government's line to look after their own people. That's from John in Carrigaline. 1850-333-103. John Paul, it, taking your calls, you can text or WhatsApp us to 0862-103-103. Let me stay on bad smells that we've been talking about from the wastewater treatment plant in Kinsale. Let me go from Kinsale to Timaleague. Ger Madden joins me. Good morning to Ger. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning to all your listeners. Now, smells are continuing in Timaleague and Court Mac. Yes, uh, I've noticed uh, on the, um, over the last week at least, um, uh, I go for a walk from Timaleague to Court Mac uh, sure, nearly every night, and uh, at full tide um, at the waterfront there where the picnic tables are underneath the Abbey and Timaleague, there's uh, uh, a film of kind uh, of sudsy um, uh, sludge and green and, yeah. and on two occasions I actually saw floating tile roll. Uh, oh, uh, so it's sewerage. It's it's definitely yeah, sewerage. It's that scummy that you get on the top yes, when it comes in on the tide. And it has been there like uh, tide uh, I've walked every night so the tide is coming in probably around somewhere between seven and uh, and, uh, and eight and nine uh, on the last few nights and every night I uh, I walk there uh, you see and you you hear people talking about it uh, on, on the waterfront there um, I, I've seen it the last four nights and I definitely and is the smell bad? Uh, the smell is, is is not too bad there, but as you walk uh, maybe halfway between t- Timonique and Court Michelle, you can get the uh, you can get the, the the smell. You get the smell when the tide is out uh, yeah. because the the heat uh, uh, the heat when the uh, when the very the sun burns on top of uh, on top of the mud uh, that creates the, the, the smell, smell. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone steps yeah. at you in the warm weather. It's even worse, and it's it's not that money hasn't been spent in that area. There's a crazy amount of money, and like we uh, we heard the, uh, this this was going to be the panacea like that uh, the the, um, the source system from Timothy to Commissary was going to be done, and there's a uh, supposed to be a state of the art treatment plant uh, down uh, in Commissary, and I know a lot of people around that area are finding uh, that their homes a bit like in sale that the. That their homes are suffering that they can't on a fine day like today uh, they can't open their windows like so uh, like definitely I don't know Irish water seems to be the, the, the end all of everything but they, uh, they seem to be very good at spending money but I don't know are they getting the results at the end of the day like you know that's yeah. my uh, yeah it's my tough view, it's, like, it's, it's, re- it's really really tough on people and I know John Paul is saying that the last time we looked into it we were told that the new plant was working but that there was issues with sewerage making it way from uh, Timaleague to uh, Court back. Okay, listen, Ger, thank you for that. Beautiful day, is it, in West Cork today? 
the sun oh, shining. Yeah, if, if, if people have any spare hour at all, call it, uh, come to, between to me and come, sure you come for a walk and a coffee and enjoy the day. You okay, know? well done, well done. Listen, look after yourself, Ger. Thanks that for that well, and well, uh, well, thanks well, for well. joining us. That is uh, Ger Madden, 1850-333-103. Lines open, text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. Blarney Castle Hotel, they are looking for chefs while a salesperson is required at Danjo Fitzgerald's in Madden. Production manager required for ingredient solutions. They're based in Bohabui and the Bon Secure Hospital in Cork. They're looking for medical, surgical, oncology and paediatric nurses and it's due to a recent expansion at the hospital. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. cmig.ie Now an Irish-based US military veteran is on a mission to try to help an Afghan interpreter and his young family escape to safety from the Taliban. Irish-American Phil Nannery, who currently lives in Cork, joins me with more on this story. Good morning to you, Phil. Good morning, Patricia, and thank you for having me. Well, you're very welcome. Now, you spent time in Afghanistan, and that's how you befriended this uh, young man, who obviously we're not going to identify where he is or or his name. Uh, You just referred to him by the nickname that you knew him as, which is Rocky. So I suppose, tell me a little bit about Rocky and how you came to befriend him in Afghanistan. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rocky, you know, Rocky was like a lot of uh, Afghans who worked with us and helped us. He grew up in Afghanistan in the 90s when, um, you know, the Taliban was in control. And so he he would have grown up in fear of the Taliban. So when the Americans, you know, ousted the Taliban in 2001, he was uh, in, in school as a young student and decided to study English to help work with us as an interpreter. Uh, at great personal risk to himself. So he would have been one of several interpreters we had on our on our base where I was in Afghanistan. And they, each of those interpreters, put their lives at risk by... Absolutely. ...by doing what they did. Absolutely. I mean, um, it's in, it's a very, you know, rural society where, where, where we were. And so, um, you know, the interpreters where we were would have come from other provinces because if they were working as an interpreter in their own, you know, backyard... Uh, it would have been it would have been something that their families would have been targeted and things like that by the Taliban. And it's not that Rocky suddenly has decided to leave Afghanistan. He's wanted out for a few years yeah, now. That's right. Yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, it's it's something that the, this is what I'm talking about. You know, the the dangers they were they were they were posed to them was ten years ago when the Americans were there to protect them. So you can only imagine it's you know a lot worse now you know, that, it, that that the Taliban have taken over most areas of Afghanistan. So um, there is, you know, there, there's actually thousands of veterans like me right now. Uh, it, it's trending. It's, it's trending on, online. If you want to look it up, it's called a digital Dunkirk. Um, and there's thousands of people just like me uh, who are just working to try to get these guys out of there. And I don't care where it is, but as long as it's not there. And since the Taliban retook control of the country, Phil, have you heard from Rocky? We've been texting every day, yeah. Um, he's the only interpreter who I'm in touch with, but I am still trying to track down a few others on our base. 
Um, and in addition, it's also uh, anyone anyone really who would have worked with the government if they were teachers, humanitarians, um, doctors, police, soldiers, anybody who worked with the, um, the the Afghan democratically Afghan democratically elected Afghan government is is now in fear. And the Taliban leaders say these people have nothing to fear; everything will be okay. Do you and would Rocky and others like Rocky not trust those words? In my experiences with the Taliban, uh, Patricia, I would uh, I would be very unlikely to trust anything that they're saying now about uh, amnesty or anything like that. Yeah, and would it's, you would uh, you like to see Rocky and his family come to Ireland? You know, Patricia, I don't I don't care where it is. I'd love to have him nearby. I could hang out with him and stuff. Um, but you know, to be honest, he could go anywhere. If he, I mean, if he was in a refugee camp in 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 neighboring Pakistan, it would be safer than where he is now. You know, he could go anywhere in the world, um, and I don't care where it is. I've been trying for 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 a while now to, to get him um, sponsored to go to America, but the the red tape and and everything, the bureaucracy, all tied up. It's just um, very unfortunate. But this is his life, you know, on the line, and we're basically waiting for you know, this backlog of applications to go through at the 11th hour. And, what? and it's not just him, it's, it's yeah, his family as well, his wife and three children, you know. I mean, hence why so many people are flocked to the airport. To, they're, yeah. they're so desperate uh, to, to get out. And Phil, what was it about Rocky that you developed this friendship? He was a character. I mean, this guy, he, we, we called him Rocky because he used to love, uh, you know, we had a heavy bag outside for recreation and stuff and He'd always be out there boxing on that. He used to do karate, <laughs> <laughs> chopping boards and stuff. I mean, he was he was a really and you know he was a fun guy to hang out with. You know, we we come back from a mission. I remember one time we we had no speakers. There's twelve of us in my squad all trying to watch a, a a movie on a tiny laptop crammed together. And he comes out and he he loans us his speakers. And he was watching. He used to love watching American movies without the subtitles to help improve his English and things like that. And he'd pick up American slang and be using it to us and stuff, you know. Would you and, would you see him as a great asset to any community that he would come to live amongst? Let me tell you, if if Ireland took in Rocky, it would be America's loss. And if America took him in, it'll be every other country's loss. Because you know, and and I, I you know, and I've I've kind of been saying this from the start. I don't care about politics. I mean, this isn't even a political issue. You know, it's it's just an issue of helping a friend and. I think especially in the military, you're taught from day one, you never leave a fallen comrade, you do everything you can for your brothers, it doesn't matter how dire, how grave the situation is, you always go, if a friend is down, a friend's in need, uh, we, we don't even call each other friends, we call each other brothers, you go and you help that brother. And that's what I'm doing right now. Do you watch with great sadness what is unfolding in Afghanistan and the scenes yesterday at the airport when those explosions happened? You know, Patricia, when Kabul fell, I cried. I cried for a day. And then I I remembered that, you know what? I'm a, I was a soldier, and I'm a veteran. And it took me back. And right now, I said I can, I can be upset, I can be sad, or I can do something, and I can take action. And when you're in the military, and, you know, when I was in Afghanistan, the worst, the worst thing you could have is if somebody had to stay back in the operations center on a night mission or on a, on a mission and be watching the radio, watching the watching the tax center, and everybody else is out on a mission. Everybody had to do that at one point. If it was your turn to do that, it was the worst feeling in the world because all you thought is, 
what happens if they get hit by an IED? What happens if they get in, hurt, in trouble? What happens if they get hurt and I'm not there? All you want to do is be with the guys who are, who are out there in danger. And right now, I, you know, I might be a bit uh, out of shape. I might be over the hill as a soldier. I've, I've been out of the Army uh, six years. I've been out of the Army longer than I was in the Army. But I still, it's like I'm taken back and I'm back in the operations center and I can either complain and be sad that I'm not there with him or I can use every tool at my disposal to try to help him. And for me, that's a laptop. That's a, you know, I set up a Twitter. It's, it's, it's contacting the news. It's contacting elected representatives. It's trying to get him back to safety. And Phil, talk to me about Afghanistan. I mean, obviously our our views on Afghanistan is what we see on the news and it's always just, you know, war-torn countries, awful tragedies. I mean, the photographs today of those uh, two women with the facial injuries uh, who were injured yesterday when those explosions uh, went off. What What is the country like? You know, it, it, it was it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. I... I have such wonderful memories of Afghanistan. I have a few bad ones, but mostly very good ones. It's where I was, Patricia. I was in a place in the south-central region of Afghanistan, very remote, very remote. The the illiteracy rate was over 90%, the high mortality rate, um, very poor, very poor. But through all of that, I mean, we, we had people coming up to our base saying, I want my kids to learn how to read. I want, you know, I want, I want what all people want. I want my kids to be able to have a better life than me. And you could see that. You could see everywhere people would risk their lives to try to do this, to engage with us on our base, to try to get a better life for their families. Yeah, it's proving that moms and dads are the same all over the world. It's the- you, 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 just, you just want the best for for your, for your children, and I think some of the most emotional photographs I've seen with the evacuation that's going on are some of your own U.S. Army soldiers and holding children, you know, on planes. Children and and I know parents are so desperate to get their child out to safety yeah. that they hand a child over. I mean, there was one plane landed in in Germany, and ninety percent of the children had no guardian with them and it just yeah. struck me God what is going through the mind of a parent yeah, that they would absolutely. hand it and to see some of the soldiers with you know little babes in arms asleep and just and that must be hard for soldiers because they, many of those will have their own children back home Absolutely it's heartbreaking I mean you know the, the poverty that we that I saw you know over there and everything and again it was it was improving. Um, and it's the people like Rocky and, and other interpreters. You know, I have another interpreter, Don, I'm trying to track down. Um, you know, these guys, they risked it all. I mean, I've I've had a roller coaster of emotions over the last two weeks, but the one emotion I, I can honestly say I haven't experienced is regret. I would go back. I would do it all again in a heartbeat. Now, you know, I have uh, uh, benefits from the, from the Veterans Affairs in America. I... I went to school here in Cork with the GI Bill. I mean, and I was treated very well being in the Army. But Rocky didn't have any of that. He has no benefits. He has no pension. And he's in fear for his life now. But he still texted me the other day and said, hey, you know, I have no regrets. I do it all over again. Because he was fighting for something he believed in. Yeah, and, I mean, if that doesn't move you, nothing will. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. And you're... you're, you're you are credit uh, to to the army as well. Uh, you really are. I mentioned at the at the outset you're of Irish American heritage. What's right. where, where are your Irish roots? Yeah, 
so well my um my family came from uh Roscommon and and you know uh Mayo back in the back in the 20s and the 30s and everything so I would have grown up uh I would have grown up around a lot of Irish people who you know came over more recently we had a really big kind of uh community where I was from one of my parish priests is from West Cork so so you grew up very proud of your Irish roots Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Did you did you did you holiday over here as a child, or was that? Well, I spent a few summers did you? in um, in Roscommon. Yeah, when yeah. I was a teenager, right before I enlisted, um, and then uh, when I got out of the army, I, I really wanted to move back. I um, moved here in 2016. I met my wife uh, shortly after I moved here, and um, you know, just thankful for it ever since. So, is Ireland now permanently your home? Uh, absolutely, yeah, is yes, this, okay. is, this is home now. People ask me sometimes, they'll say, when are you going home? And I tell them I am home now. <laughs> yeah, well said, well said. <laughs> Listen, we'll keep in contact with you, uh, Phil. Thank you. And if you hear anything or any update on Rocky, uh, please let us know and uh, pass them on our best wishes. And, and we hope that absolutely. this is a very successful outcome for you. Thank you very much for having me, Patricia. Well, thank Take you. Care. Thank you for sharing the story. Uh, good Bye. morning to you. Bye-bye. That is a lovely man. That is uh, Phil Nannery, who is a US military veteran currently living in Cork. 1850-333-103 John Paul takes your calls you can text our WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Cork today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie Yesterday I spoke with Kate Noonan from Charleville who is currently cycling from Mizzenhead to Malinhead, raising funds for women's aid. Well, this morning, I'm joined by Mark O'Reardon from Mornabi, who's doing the cycle the other way. He started in Malinhead and he's on his way to a mizzen. I believe he's in just outside Kenmare at the moment. Mark uh, O'Reardon joins me. Good morning to you, Mark. Morning, Patricia. How are you doing? Uh, well, I'm doing very well. How are the legs and how are you holding up? Yeah, well, holding up, holding up is a good word. We're kind of stuck together now at this stage into day number day number six of a pretty long cycle. Day six. How many cyclists in the group? Oh, sorry, day seven. <laughs> oh, you even got the days wrong. Day seven. How many in the group? Uh, so I suppose we started out with 12. Um, so we we lost a Limerick man on the way. Uh, to be honest, we couldn't stick him after Sunday. So uh, <laughs> we, got, we got rid of him nice and early. Uh, but yeah, look, there's uh, there's uh, there's eleven of us, I think, in total. Um, so I think there's uh, eight lads on on bikes on the way to Glengarriff right now. Uh, I'm the man in the van right now, so uh, tech support. Okay. So, so you you are you're on a bit of a break from the cycling today, then are you? I'm on a bit of a break. So look, to, to be honest, this whole thing kind of started out as a bit of a, a last uh, trip away, a cycle around the place. So um, myself and Brian Armstrong did something very similar. Um, last year around Cork and Kerry and there's a, a fair few people kind of were interested in, in doing something similar and I always kind of wanted to do Mal and Mizzen and uh, so look I just threw it out there to maybe 10-15 lads and we, there's 12 of us who wanted to do it uh, so we organised a trip and uh, we kind of said we'd do it over 6-7 days uh, and stop off in a few different places along the way uh, and Shaluk had gathered a bit of momentum. Uh, one of the lads, then Mark Egan, uh, said, Shaluk, why don't we do raise some money for charity where we're at it? And uh, that's when he put forward uh, the charity Jigsaw. 
so he, he actually set up a page uh, on iDonate. Um, so if people want to jump on uh, and search Malin's Mizzen, uh, uh, August 2021, you'll find Matt Egan's page. And he set a modest target of a 1,000. Uh, but I think we, we kind of realise quickly enough when we're on the cycle, there's a huge amount of gener- generosity out there. Yeah, people are uh, great. They're unbelievable, unbelievable. So we started with a 1,000 and kind of the week leading up between all the different places we're working in, um, like we, we quickly got to that and I think we're tracking at around 3K right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, I checked yesterday and you were you were very close to the 3K mark so I wouldn't be surprised if you fit that already. So so well done. And why Jigsaw, Mark? Why Jigsaw? Um, well, I suppose like the last 18 months has been extremely tough for, for people. Um and just mental health is, is, is right in the fore right now. I think with all the lockdowns and everything else, uh, we kind of felt that uh, a charity supporting youth um, mental health and providing these services was, was a really important char- charity to choose. Yeah, well done. Uh, well done. And like with uh, all charities, they're struggling with fundraising. They need funds. And they, a charity like that needs funds now more than ever. Exactly, exactly. And look, I'll be honest, it's the easiest money we ever raised. Um, like, the people have been absolutely fantastic from Donegal to Cork. Well, we're not in Cork yet, but I know they're going to be fantastic. Um, but yeah, they, like, we've travelled up and down the country, you know, uh, rang ahead. We've, we've, we've had problems on bikes and stuff, uh, like, on your, on your bike cycles there in Galway. It took in three or four different bikes tweak them, fix whatever problems, turn them around in 30 minutes. It was just unbelievable. All the labour and everything was free and the donation and everything. Um, we were in Ucterard and Galway as well. Uh, Camp Cafe on Camp Street in Ucterard just uh, fired out a donation. Owen Kelly, uh, uh, Ucterard man, came up and gave us 50 quid. Um, got into uh, Killarney, Jesus Killarney, Dave O'Sullivan, O'Sullivan Cycles, a great character. Um, uh, unfortunately, we weren't uh, overly prepared for the whole thing and we didn't have matching jerseys. Um, so Dave, like a pure Kerry man, offered us uh, offered us an option, right? He said, you can have 10, 10 Kerry football jerseys or 10 Kerry ring of, or 10 ring of Kerry jerseys, uh, cyclist jerseys from 2016. <laughs> Uh, so we took the 2016 ones, actually, <laughs> not, uh, but look, absolute gentlemen. Yeah, uh, people are great. The generosity of people is great. So how much cycling a day are you averaging? How many kilometres? Uh, around 120. 120. Okay, the, gr- uh, the girls yesterday did one day and they did 165 in one day. Asher women are way better than <laughs> Are you all experienced cyclists? After this, yes. Okay. This. <laughs> not before uh, it. Not before it, yeah. There was a there was a baptism of fire there on the first and second day. Uh but yeah, look, safety first, right? So we're we've some really good cyclists in the group we're giving us really good tips. We're cycling as a group. Um we're pulling in, making sure our traffic passed and we're every stop we're making sure we're getting water on and sunscreen on. Uh, what's so, what's like, been the, what's been the toughest part? I'll be honest with you, eating all the food uh, has, been, has been the toughest part. It's just constant eating, 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 eating. Um, 
but like it's just it's just been fantastic. Well done. Like, well done. And where where have you st- where have you stayed every night? Um, so uh, we've we've stopped off in different hotels. So in Bally Buffet, so we went from Carndona to Bally Buffet. Uh, stayed in Jackson's in Bally Buffet. Then on to Sligo. Uh, stayed in the Sligo, Southern Sligo Hotel. Are you uh, you know that organised? There's a lot of organisation goes into something like this. It isn't yeah, just a matter of I'll get on my bike and I'll cycle. No, a massive, a massive amount of organisation. Uh, there, was a, there was a lot of stress over the last six months, but sure, look, uh, it all it all came together in the end. You know, you've a you've a, a group of ten, twelve lads who, who pulled their weight, and everyone did a little a little bit organising the van, organising the hotels. Uh, like the couple of lads, we got a van and they went straight to Mulsgraves and stocked up on food and Luke's Aid and nuts and berries and all the good stuff for the week. And that you need. And I'm yeah. assuming a lot of the mammies had the Child of Prague statues out because you got one of the best weeks of the year to get on a bike and cycle. Yes, I, I imagine so. I'd imagine so. It's just, uh, it's absolutely stunning. The, the fun is spitting the stones. Um, I, I look. I can't wait to get to Cork. Like you know, Mayo has been fantastic. Claire has been stunning. Uh, Kerry, you have to you have to admit it's been uh, unbelievable down here. Um, and I think Cork is just going to be amazing. But you're saving the best to last. I'll tell you that. Exactly. So exactly. when when are you due to reach Mizzenhead? Uh, I think we're tracking for uh, maybe three to three to four today. Oh, so, and then it's all. And then we, will you stay there tonight, or what's the plan? Uh, no, I think we're all gonna we're all gonna break away up to up to Cork City, get a bite to eat, okay. and uh, I think people people are gonna go on their merry ways. I'd okay, say just uh, a lot a lot of sore entire bodies. You're into the final stretch, though. Listen, well done to each and every one of you, and people can go to the I donate page, Malin to Mizzen Cycle. August 2021. August 2021, all in aid of uh, Jigsaw, the Irish Mental Health Charity for Young People. Uh, well, we wish you the best of luck on the final part of the journey, uh, Mark, and it was a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you for that. Thanks, million, Patricia. And wish all the best to uh, all the rest of the cyclists. Thanks a million. Thanks for joining us. And to John Paul says we're sharing the iDonation link on our C103 Twitter feed as well. So if you're uh, down uh, around the Mizzen Peninsula today, keep a lookout for what was 12 lads down to 11 because the Limerick lad is probably still celebrating the win from last Sunday and we won't fault him for that. I really enjoyed my chat uh, with young Marco Reardon and the rest of those cyclists uh, who've been, who are doing Malinhead to Mizzenhead. Keep a look out for them uh, today. Expected to be in Mizzenhead for, by about three o'clock uh, this afternoon and we wish them luck at the end of their cycle. And then talking of cycles, it was timely for me to remind you something I came across yesterday and I think this is a terrific idea. An event has been organised in Clonakilty for this afternoon and it's aimed, uh, it's been described as a family friendly cycle for safer streets and they're inviting children in particular along with the mums and dads, I mean the mums and dads are, are available, to head to Clonakilty this afternoon at two o'clock, meeting at Emmett Square and the plan is, it's under the hashtag get to school on your own fuel and what they're going to do is a short cycle around the streets of Clonakilty to get children back into the habit of cycling for the children 
who have decided and the parents who have decided that the children are going to be cycling to school this year. So just to get them familiar with the streets and the traffic and all of that, two o'clock today, they're asking people to meet in Emmett Square on your bicycles, please, children in particular, and they'll do this practice cycling on the streets of Clan. I think that is a terrific idea and well done. I don't exa- I don't know who's actually involved with it, but well, inv- well done to whoever is involved with doing that practice lap of the town to get the children back used to being on their bikes again. OK, we need to take a break. We have news at 12 on the way. In the next hour, we will talk movies with uh, Mark Malone. Actually, we're going to be on the subject of back to school uh, because, because we'll be having Maraid's report this week. Cork versus COVID is focusing on back to school. All coming up in the next hour. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. The listener says, morning to you, morning back to you. Do you by any chance have the COVID number breakdown for the West Cork area? Please, thanking you, I do, because it's on Thursday evening that you get an update of all over the country of the 14-day incident rate. And by the way, if anybody wants to, it's something I know myself and John Paul, check out every uh, Thursday evening. You can find it on the COVID-19, the GeoHive hub, and there's a map of the country. And you just use your little cursor and you click on the area where you live or if you want to find out about a particular area and it'll tell you the 14-day incidence, the number of confirmed cases in that local electoral area for the last 14 days. But it also gives the national 14-day incident rate and then per 100,000 and then you're able to compare it in your area just to see. And actually looking at Cork and it's been the same for the last number of weeks because at one stage earlier on in the year when the figures were really high, John Paul used to join us every Friday and we'd go through the local electoral areas but with numbers dropping we didn't see the need to run with that feature anymore. Thankfully the numbers have been low in Cork and they're still remaining quite low. There's still cases. I'm not saying that there isn't COVID positive cases. There are but they are lower when you compare them to the rest of the country. I mean even looking at the map you can see it is the all of the counties and the local electoral areas around the border and that's because Northern Ireland still has such a problem with new COVID positive cases and obviously people go over and back across the border so all the county uh, the county the the counties that border Northern Ireland you can clearly see from this map they have the highest number of cases of COVID-19 but this listener is interested in West Cork so let me do a quick look across West Cork for you. Now as I say these are the number of confirmed cases for the last 14 days and it's the 14 days up to the 23rd of August which is last Monday. That's the way they do it. It's Monday to Monday. So for the Banding Kinsale local electoral area the number of confirmed uh, cases across those two weeks was 100 101. Let's move to Skibbereen. Confirmed cases for the 14 days was 64. In Bantry, the number was 70 confirmed cases. And also for West Cork, McCroom, local electoral area, confirmed cases were 107. And just looking in other parts for other, because I know a lot of people say, what about North Cork? In Formoy, 86 confirmed cases. And in, where's Mallow got on this one? If I can find Mallow as well. I know I was looking at Mallow earlier. In Cove, it was 119 uh, confirmed cases. And in the city, there was one area of the city that had the highest, and I can't find Mallow now for the life of me, Cork City 
North East local electoral area, they had the highest number at 209. But even with all of those cases, all of those numbers that I'm calling out, when you look at the whole of Cork County compared to the rest of the country, we, we do we are below the average for the national 14-day incident. Because if you look at, for example, up in County Donegal, they had 459 confirmed cases over the last 14 days in that local electoral area. So some areas, so Cork, still, we've still got cases, but we're certainly doing better than other parts of the country. And long may that last. And hopefully with more and more people getting vaccinated, those numbers will continue to uh, fall. Now, some of your other thoughts coming into us on both by text and by calls. Let me take a look at some of the texts coming in. We were talking about Afghanistan in the last hour and in particular talking with Phil that young US and he is only young he's only in his 30s I think but just talking about what you know his memories of Afghanistan and then how he really is trying to help that young Rocky and he's not giving anything any more identifying features than that really trying to help him because he's trying to get out of Afghanistan with his young uh, family it's kind of heartbreaking listening to him talking but John says Patricia what's unfolding in Afghanistan can be laid at the doors of George Bush and Tony Blair who invaded Afghanistan to defeat the Taliban that was after 9-11 in 2001 the Taliban are now in control of this terrorism and their major drug dealers it's Blair and Bush should now now take Af- Afghan refugees as they were the ones that caused all of these problems. That is from uh, John. And then also in on this, somebody else wanted to get in on this debate as well. John in Castletown Roach says, looking at the debate on the Taliban and ISIS in Afghanistan, John was watching American TV last, last night, perhaps somebody like CNN, and he said Trump was on giving out about what's going on and what's unfolding in Afghanistan. But at the end of the day, it was Donald Trump when he was president who did the deal with the Taliban. And now the Republicans are criticising the Democrats on pulling out. But the deal was already done under Donald Trump. It is complete hypocrisy. Joe Biden now is in a no way situation. He did warn people. And now after Americans were killed yesterday, Joe Biden is being blamed. But he did say earlier on the week that there was the possibility and yeah, they kind of knew it was going to happen and they were doing everything to try to stop it. But unfortunately, it did. It, it happened and last Lives have been lost uh, because of it, which is just such a sad, sad situation to see what is unfolding there. And I'm kind of worried about what's going to unfold there going forward. I mean, what's when the Americans do pull out, which is next Monday, next Tuesday, 31st. Uh, what's going to happen then? 1850 We were speaking with the wonderful cyclists uh, yesterday and today. We had Kate Noonan and her bunch from North Cork and then we had Marco Reardon from Mornabi and his bunch from all over the country cycling Malin to Mizzen, Mizzen to Malin, which is an incredible achievement and they're all doing it to fundraise for really great charities. Mossy in West Cork says, I'm very unfit. I couldn't cycle two mi- miles. So fair play to everybody that's doing Malin to Mizzen or Mizzen to Mallow. It's an extraordinary 
extraordinary achievement. However, says Mossy, I don't agree with going to such extreme physical lengths for charity when some of the charity bosses have been charged with fraud of their respective charity. I know it's isolated, said Mossy, but I don't agree with people doing these extreme activities when at the end of the day it can it can be nout in some cases. Yeah, I, I, I see the point you're making and all of us, I think, particularly if it's a charity you've donated to and it turns out that somebody had their greedy finger in the pie, soul destroying if you've been involved in fundraising. But as you say in your own text, Massey, it is very much in the minority. The majority of charities are run by very decent, honourable people who put a huge amount of work into the work into what they're doing and they couldn't survive without people like Mark and his gang or Kate and her gang yesterday on their bikes fundraising. And God knows charities have been really badly hit since the pandemic because they haven't been able to do the traditional fundraising that they would have been doing. But thank you for your comment, Massey, and hope you're keeping well. And then Jim is on to us saying since the beginning of COVID-19 and we'd all been told about washing hands and social distancing and obeying everything. I've done absolutely everything that I've been told, says Jim. Monday last, my son flew into Shannon Airport and I haven't seen him for three years. But I didn't know how to greet him. So we just fist bumped each other and said hi and then we went on to visit some of our relatives in Clare while everyone we knew there was shaking hands some people were given hugs so yesterday he returned to London and I said to hell with this and we had a dad and a son hug goodbye uh, my god I think I'll move to County Clare maybe we can take a few lessons from them here in Cork they don't seem to have the same problem about handshaking as we have here in Cork uh, says uh, Jim and yeah people are nervous about hugging I, I don't know how you still stayed strong enough to pick up your son from Shannon Airport having not seen him in three years and given him a hug and I'm assuming everybody is fully vaccinated certainly with me with close family when I meet up when I haven't seen them for some time and now that we're all fully vaccinated we I certainly do the hugs handshaking I can't remember the last time I shook hands with somebody and certainly handshaking I don't know will we ever get back in, into handshaking but hugging a loved one you haven't seen in quite some time I'm so thrilled Jim that you did it even if it was the goodbye hug and hopefully it won't be too long until you can see your son again and the next time give him that big father-son hug because it's, it's, a, it's a special one it really is Hi Patricia would you give a shout out please to Laura Martin Who's Laura Martin? Laura Martin is the current Miss Mayo and she's doing fantastic fundraising for ARC in Mayo. They are a group that help children with disabilities. Will you wish her all the best of luck in the Miss Ireland final? And I didn't know this, but the Miss Ireland final is on Sunday week, September the 5th. So I don't know who Laura Martin is, but the best of luck to her and well done to her for getting involved in fundraising for what sounds like a terrific charity. 1850 333 103. Gibson on Twitter to add C103 Cork. This is on Electric Picnic. And could Electric Picnic come to Cork? Uh, Gibson says, the last time a festival was forced to move to Cork, it was the end. Failure. You will be missed. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and things to do. And another shout out to that get to school on your own fuel, that short cycle for kids to practice cycling on the streets of Clan. That's happening this afternoon at two o'clock. People are asked to meet at Emmet Square. Kildallery Development's next drive in bingo will be held tonight, eight o'clock in the Creamery Yard, while their home bingo books are on sale in the usual outlets in Kildallery. 
The annual Memorial Road Run to Gugambara is happening this coming Sunday. The people are asked to depart from the Tesco car park in Ballincollig. That's at 1.30am. Mass will be in Gugambara then at half one. The entry fee is €10 and a picnic prize giving ceremony will be afterwards. And please note for the Vintage Motor Club, the Ballincollig, for this particular run, the 20-year rule applies. And just to let you know, the Knocknagree Community Development Group, they're driving bingo for next Sunday. That has been cancelled. And Focus Ireland are organising a Karen Tuhill hike planned for Sunday, the 29th of August. That's this Sunday. It's a chance to raise funds for Focus Ireland and challenge yourself hiking to the highest peak in the land. You can register at events at focusireland.ie. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Jenny in North Cork, who describes herself as the owner of two much-loved pooches who are totally spoiled, said she cannot believe that people are surrendering their dogs as they head back to work. How could people be so cruel? And what Jenny's picking up on is a story. I mentioned it uh, earlier. It's from uh, Dogs Trust. They've come out today to say that they were receiving at least eight requests every day for people who want to surrender their dogs. And this is to do with the easing of lockdown restrictions. The charity say so far they have received the same number of requests this year as they did for the whole of 2020. And 2020 was one of their busiest years because they discovered that at the start of the pandemic, people started taking on pups and very quickly realised, oh, that little ball of fluff grows into a big doggy. We're not able for this. So they were extremely busy. I remember we spoke with them last year about how busy they were and they were hoping that they would never see a year as busy again. And already here we are coming to the close of August and they have received more requests to rehome dogs than they did for the entire year of uh, 2020. They say people struggling some people are struggling with their dogs behaviour difficulties. That was cited by the charity as one of the key reasons but the charity are saying that is to do with the easing of the pandemic uh, restrictions. They say it's like it's a huge uh, change and it the easing of the restrictions for all of us getting back out into the the world and it can also be a huge change for dogs and that they have to adjust to their owners not being around 24-7 and because of that a dog's behaviour can change as people are returning either to work or maybe they're going out more to social activities and it's not the dog's fault the dog just suddenly realises that uh, mummy or daddy who's normally around the house or the children who used to be around all of the time suddenly disappeared and they're on their own for periods of time left on their own for periods of time that they've never been on their own before and because of that that's leading to some kind of challenging behaviours on behalf of the dogs so therefore then the owners think oh can't be putting up with this they're chewing up all the furniture when we're out or whatever's going on uh, we're, we're going to have to give them up so they're getting on to charities like Dogs Trust saying we want to surrender our dog so Dogs Trust have come out again today to remind listeners that they have uh, an interactive life after lockdown pack which is available to dog owners and it includes tips on how to ease dogs out of lockdown and how to teach them to be on their own, how to teach them to play with toys when you're not around and also how to teach them how to meet 
people calmly because again a dog maybe that's been in a house for eight months has no visitors no, nobody's ever been coming to the house suddenly there's visitors coming and the dog is reacting with great excitement not everybody likes a dog jumping on top of them but the dog doesn't know any uh, better and Dogs Trust say that their number one priority is to keep dogs in their own homes and they say resettling of dogs which they do and they do very successfully but they say that that's a last resort so Dogs Trust are encouraging anyone who's thinking about giving up their dog to contact them and let Dogs Trust help them by maybe sending out this interactive pack that they have or just to talk you through what can be done rather than as soon as something goes wrong, jumping in and saying, oh, I'm going to surrender, surrender my dog immediately. But just to let people know, they do have surrendered dogs. They don't manage to get every owner to keep their dogs. So for anybody who is looking for a dog, there are many wonderful charities, animal charities out there who will be only too thrilled to hear from you if you are willing to give a loving home to a little pet. 1850 And there's a text in from Dennis. My apologies, Dennis. He came in in the last hour. I'm only getting, it to, getting to it now. And this was to do when I mentioned that the societies of Vincent de Paul had come out and they were talking about back to school costs and talking about the number of calls they have been getting every single day of the week from families who were struggling. And I tied it in with a piece that I had done with the League of Credit Unions a number of weeks ago. They were talking about the back to school costs and they were showing typically the average cost for a secondary school pupil to go back to school is just under 1500 and for a primary school pupil it's just shy of €1,200 Euro. and I was saying if you've more than one and lots of families have more than one, two, three children that that cost can be absolutely huge and families face that cost every single September so as Vincent de Paul are making the point that the government need to invest more in schools so the schools don't have to put pressure on families to come up with extra funds that the school needs in order to keep the school functioning what well, that prompted Dennis one of our listeners to say Patricia The last time I checked, the government didn't tell parents to start having children. According to Leia a few years ago, it costs about €100,000 to raise a child from birth until the child turns 21. A bit of personal responsibility is needed here. If people choose to have a child or two or three, they need to be accountable, says Dennis. And, you know, Dennis, I think that's a kind of a mean comment to make and I think a little bit unchristian as well because when you think about it there are families today who are struggling families who are now contacting the likes of St Vincent de Paul who never struggled before people who set out in life to have one, two, maybe three children were well able to afford to have these children because they were in jobs, everything was going fine. And then suddenly, in case you didn't hear about it, a pandemic hit. And many people lost their jobs and things went wrong for people. People, even before the pandemic, people bought during the boom and ended up with these huge mortgages, ended up in negative equity with these mortgages. And they were only... They weren't living beyond their means. They were only trying to provide a roof over their heads in the case of people who got caught in the property bubble. But people had children. Nobody has a child believing they're not going to be able to afford to raise them. I think the majority of people, they will always be the minority who will be irresponsible, but the majority of people who go ahead and have children and love their children, they do it because they believe they'll be able to afford to raise them from birth right through until they're finished university and able to head out into the big bad world themselves. So I think it's a bit un kind of you to lay the blame 
at the foot of families who now, through no fault of their own, find themselves not able to suddenly afford all of the back to school costs. But it's your opinion and you're welcome to it. And thank you for texting us to 0862 103 103. If you're living in Mallow, a reminder to you of the road closure of Mallow Bridge. That's kicking off from 7pm this evening and Mallow Bridge will remain closed until 7pm on Monday next. So right across the weekend and all day Monday. And this, of course, is to great excitement in Mallow. It's to facilitate the boardwalk bridge lift installation and the good people of Mallow can't wait to have the boardwalk uh, installed. There will be detour to traffic will be in operation but if you want to walk over the bridge you're fine. Pedestrian access remains in place so it's from 7 o'clock tonight Friday until 7 o'clock on Monday. No vehicle access to Mallow Bridge. 1850 333 103. Now, Mairead Tuig, our C103 news reporter, is back this week with her Cork versus Covid feature. And today she is looking at back to school. The Walshes in Ballygarvan are preparing to head back to primary school. Ava Walsh, John Walsh, Rachel Walsh, Ballygarvan National School, Rachel. And do you have your uniform ready? Yeah, but not my shoes. What's your favourite thing about school? Uh, I don't know. Ava. What class are you going into? Fourth. What are you most looking forward to? Seeing my friends. And has was last year, you know, the year just gone in third class. Is that hard at times because you have to learn from home sometimes? Um, it was hard enough because you got a lot of work. To do. And what was it like, you know, interacting with, with your teacher and stuff when you couldn't actually meet them face to face? It was hard because you have to like um, post something and then it takes forever to see because they have to look at other people's stuff as well. John! And are you looking forward to going to second class? Sort of. And what's your favourite thing about school? Eating lunch. Second year students returned to Kolosta Imanrish in Cork City yesterday morning. Maya. Are you glad to be back? Yeah. And what was last year like with the pandemic learning and was there a home element in it? And like it was on you, but like you get used to it after a bit, so. Dara. What was first year like for you in a new school but in the pandemic? Uh, it was alright. When's your first full day? I know today is just induction. Next term. What's your favourite subject? Principal Aaron Wolf says it's great to see pupils back in school again. One thing the lockdowns taught everyone was young people need school and they appreciate that routine because no one likes staying up all night and getting, you know, gaming and being on social media. They're all very negative things in young people's lives and it's great now to see let, let's have a break from the screens and let's get back to talking to each other face to face. Aaron says they still need to be mindful of COVID-19. There's still great apprehension about COVID. You know, some people are very nervous, some people aren't. Um, but it's just important that we keep reinforming the message and keep, um, you know, educating young people of good hand hygiene, social distancing, and that of being aware we are still in the middle of a pandemic. It hasn't stopped just because we've gone back to school and that we can't let the guard down at this point. Meanwhile, many families struggle with back-to-school costs. The Society of St Vincent de Paul took over 300 calls every day last week from parents looking for help. Paddy O'Flynn is president of the southwest region of St Vincent de Paul. Unfortunately this year the government back to school clothing and footwear allowance seemed to have been paid in July and uh, in many cases that's gone by the time the parents go around to do the shopping for back to school and we have to meet that and help as best we can and we do 
by issuing vouchers to those shops that specialise in those clothing and footwear and all the rest. As far as voluntary contributions are concerned, we do advocate and we do remind people that voluntary is voluntary and it's not mandatory. The other thing this year which has come at a very bad time is the utility companies' gas electricity bills. The moratorium has ended, electricity prices have gone up by up to 9% anyway and we have a lot of people now coming to us in a state of panic with disconnection threats. Uh, we do our best to negotiate and advocate on their behalf. Paddy says they are doing what they can to help and he says that they appreciate the support of the Cork public. We're facing the challenge. It's a bigger challenge than other years. I suppose I have to add that our resources aren't bottomless. We haven't had church gate collection in any meaningful sense for over a year. Our shops were closed for over six months. Fortunately, they're back and doing quite well. If the generous people of Cork would like to help us, they can contact us at www.svp.ie and nominate the local charity, which is the South West, or 0181 176 176, and again nominate the South West region of Vincent de Paul. And thanks to our news reporter, C103 news reporter, Mairead Tuick, for her Cork versus Covid feature. Good to hear Vincent DePaul, who we were only talking about, feature on that piece on Back to School. On dogs being surrendered to Dogs Trust, a dog lover says, what an example to set for children. You get a dog and when the going gets tough, guess what Mammy and Daddy do? They give the dog back. This upsets me so much, says a texter who describes themselves as a dog lover. And on the cost of back to school and the back to school clothing and footwear allowance, which is a means tested payment that is paid to uh, certain families. Catherine from Moy thinks that any family that has only has one wage coming into the household, all of those families, regardless of what that one wage is, should be entitled to the back to school clothing and footwear allowance as there's such a huge cost on people to keep going with all of the bills that are out there. One wage simply does not cover the cost of running a household and getting the children back to school. Catherine says the middle class once again are hit. We get absolutely nothing. Very annoying to see others who can get all of the back to school clothing and footwear allowance. They seem to get everything but it's the people who are working who then are above the means test are the ones that seem to lose out all the time and that's from Catherine in from Moy. On the situation in Afghanistan, Anthony says Afghanistan will always be run by Islam fundamentalists. Britain invaded them many years ago and they were ousted. Russia also invaded them in the late 70s and then America backed the Mujahideen to get them out. Then they spent trillions in the country and helped the new drug exporting industry that currently exists today. In other words, anywhere these powers went, they left mayhem behind them, says Anthony. Yeah, and it's the poor people of the Afghanis, the poor people of Afghanistan who will end up picking up the pieces. And thank you to Tim Lyncher, Johanna reporter. When I played a request for the young lady who is representing Mayo in the Miss Ireland competition, I was wondering, was was there a Cork connection there? There is. Laura Martin is from Ballincollig, but she went to school in Mayo and she's representing Mayo in the Miss Ireland. So if she wins, we'll claim her as one of our own. But she is originally from Ballincollig. Her mother was Stella Martin. And we got that information from Tim Lynch, our Johalla reporter. And how does Tim Lynch, our Johalla reporter, know so much about them? Tim says that Stella 
young Laura's mother is Tim's first cousin. So thank you for that. It's a small, small world, is it not, in which we live. OK, let's take a break and we will be back with some movie suggestions from Mark Malone. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. C103's Irish Sunday is the big show on your radio. Sunday mornings from 10. Four hours of all-time favourites from Cleona Hagan to Mike Denver. Susan McCann to Derek Ryan. And Daniel O'Donnell to Nathan Carter. It's Cork's greatest hits, guaranteed. And everyone is Irish. Join us Sunday mornings from 10am with Leaders Menswear, North Main Street, long-running supporters of men's clothing and GAA. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Leadersmenswear.ie. Irish Sunday on C103. Let's go to the phone lines where Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joins us. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you're welcome to the program. Now, you watch two movies for us this week. The first one is it The Crowds? Is that a you? The Crudes. The Crudes and New yes. Age. And then the second one is simply entitled Pig. So let's take a quick trailer from The Crudes. Eep, Amber Crude, think you could spend your tomorrow with me. I do. 
It would never leave us. Come on, man. Just chill. No, you come on, man. Brand new. Change isn't the end of the world. The pack is stronger together. That's my girl. Boom. Boomsies. Boomsies. Dun, dun, dun. Now we're talking animation here. This is DreamWorks. Uh, yeah, that's Steven Spielberg Company, yeah, DreamWorks. And um, I don't know, you, I, I presume, though, you didn't see the first film. No. Um, I did, and I think when I re- re- reviewed it, I thought it was okay. I thought it was kind of sweet and cute, you know, and it was very nice. Uh, my wife liked it way better than I did, and she's seen it a couple of times. But she was desperate to see this one because, um, uh, you know, she was such a fan of the first film. The first one, I thought, was fine. Uh, basically, the story of the first film, if you remember, uh, those who have seen the film, uh, it was about a Neanderthal kind of cave family okay. and uh, with a very overprotective father, played by Nicolas Cage, who didn't leave anybody to leave, like, the confines of uh, the, the cave because it was a dark and dangerous world out there. Uh, but um, the daughter, Eep, played by Emma Stone, uh, to her, she was much more adventurous than the rest of her family. And, of course, she, throughout the first film, managed to persuade them to leave the confines of the cave and said, show them that there's a bigger and better world out there. And so when we pick it up in this second film, they're actually on the road and they're looking for what they call their tomorrow. And so they come across this kind of fortified kind of fence kind of area, area and they break through and they find this kind of Eden, this kind of heavenly kind of place with food and water. Uh, but they don't realize that, in fact, it's owned by the Bettermans. Now, the Bettermans, who are better men and women, apparently, because they are <laughs> higher up, they're higher up the evolutionary scale and consider themselves way above these cave people. Um, initially, there's kind of a, a, a lot of tension kind of between them. And, uh, but it, what it results is in some very, very funny stuff indeed, because they're up the, higher up the kind of evolutionary ladder. Um, you know, they've got things like elevators, they've got toilets, they've got, well, I should point out, you know, Stone Age versions of these toilets. They even had, Patricia, a window. And the young boy uh, in the uh, crude family, he is just becomes obsessed. Thunk, he becomes obsessed with this window, which is almost like his television. So there's lots of kind of references to the fact that they can't get him away from the window. And so there's a lot of this kind of stuff, and really, really very funny indeed. In the first film, we were introduced to, to Guy, who um, Eep uh, finds very attractive. And we find that, in fact, uh, Guy has or had a relationship with the Bettermans and knew of them and realizes the difference between them and realizes, of course, you know, the, the, the Bettermans uh, have a better kind of standard of living rather than the kind of cave people. And so suddenly he finds himself identifying with the Bettermans. And there's a very, very funny scene where all of a sudden uh, Eep turns around to see Guy wearing um, sneakers and wearing a Heaven forbid, Patricia, a man bun, which is one, which is one of the funniest things I have ever seen put on screen. It is very, very funny indeed. And uh, but as their kind of relationship begins to slightly improve, uh, the Betterman, Mr. Betterman, um, who's played here by Peter Dinklage, uh, tells Nicholas Cage as Grug uh, not to eat the bananas, and he doesn't tell him why. And the reason why is that the bananas are actually to kind of keep this monster who um, who lives nearby um, uh, kind of uh, away from the fortified area. Uh, otherwise, of course, he'd just eat everybody up. But of course, what happens? Nicholas Cage eats the banana, and so therefore they realize that they've got come together uh, because they are stronger as a family kind of unit. Um, it's, I, it, the thing is that I don't think it's as good as the first film, but I think there are lots of jokes here which kind of really, really do hit. Not all of them, 
after a while the jokes the first 10 minutes are really really funny but after that the kind of the story kind of kicks in and from then on it's just it's it's pretty manic and pretty crazy and i mean it just keeps on going and keeps on going which will keep uh, kids occupied i think uh, because you know there's only one kind of sequence really where the film kind of dies ever so slightly and uh, that will always be the point if you're in the cinema where you know the noise level from kind of kids will kind of r- rise but other than that i think they'll be um they'll be fascinated and they'll be entertained by it a lot of the jokes are adult jokes i should point that out and will go over their heads but that will keep the adults uh, entertained an extraordinary cast nicholas cage emma stone ryan reynolds you've got cloris leachman who sadly is no longer with us uh, i think it was her third last film uh peter dinklage leslie mad great cast and also the uh, should we should point out that this was made during the lockdown and so a lot of the artists here had to work from home mm. like they did with with luca the disney plus film and both films are very beautiful to look at and it's it's a testament to their extraordinary talent, I think, that they can actually produce something as entertaining and as beautiful as this. And I, say, I don't think it's as good as the, the, the first film. Uh, my wife liked it more than I did. She gives it 8 out of 10, and I'll give it 6. OK, it sounds like one of those delightful movies. And, and as always with the animated movies, great cast. <laughs> I'm always marvelling at the cast that they managed to get. Everybody seems to love doing these animated movies. Yeah, because it's easy to do, you yeah, know. They yeah. just turn up. They don't have to uh, learn any lines. They don't have to get dressed up. They don't have to lose weight or put on weight. They just turn up and do their thing. Uh, it's easy money, really. OK. <laughs> so Nicolas Cage was the star of that. But Nicolas Cage is also the star of the second movie you watched, which is called Pig. Yeah, and I'm always making jokes about Nicholas trying desperately to be the actor who throughout his career will make more films than anybody else. But of course, you know, he does have this rather large tax bill uh, hanging over his head. So he's just constantly making films. In 19, I think in 2020, he made six movies, whereas normally stars of his stature would make maybe one, maybe two. Yeah. Um, and this year alone, he's made three movies. He's made the Joe Exotic television series as well. And if you look at IMDb, he, uh, in 2022, there are about three or four films already in pre-production. So he's just constantly working. And the thing is, is that um, a lot of the films he's, he's made for a while there weren't great, but just recently a couple of them have been pretty good. And I think if uh, you were kind of compared this to the rest of them, I think this is possibly the best thing he's done in a very, very long time. It's a very, very low-budget movie. I mean, they made this in, I think, 20 days, and it does have a pig in it. And in fact, they couldn't afford a trained pig, so they had to find any old pig that they could find. The pig constantly bit Nicolas Cage <laughs> as during filming. Um, but in fact, the, the, the film isn't necessarily really about the pig. I mean, the story is about Nicolas Cage. He's basically a tramp who lives in the forests of Portland. He lives on his own. He doesn't have a phone. He doesn't have a shower. He's got a huge beard hair. He's filthy dirty. But what he does is he brings, he uses the, the pig, as you know, you possibly know about this, but pigs uh, are trained to sniff out truffles. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, is a delicacy. And so this is how he makes his living. And the only person he has any kind of um, kind of communication with is a kind of Flash Harry kind of character. It's kind of a go-between between him and the top restaurant of, uh, of Portland. Then one night, as Nicholas Cage is sleeping, he's, he's attacked, and they steal the pig. And uh, not only is this his kind of way of employment and earning money, but he does love this pig. And so he decides to go into the city and to try and retrieve this pig. And so you realize then, as the film kind of progresses a little bit, that this is a man who has secrets, who has a past. So your first thought is, okay, this is um, this is going to become one of those movies where he's just going to, like, like John Wick, just go crazy and kill everybody. But that's not the case. Now, I'm not going to say anything more. And I think okay. people, I don't know, I don't watch the trailer because the twist is actually quite, quite, quite interesting. What happens is completely unexpected. 
and you don't think, wow, um, that, that it really does come as a surprise. And that's why I'm not going to kind of ruin it and kind of um, and, and give any yeah, more information yeah. of that. Because it's really, really is surprising and very entertaining, as is Nicolas Cage. Now, the only kind of point to the film that I didn't think was great is that when he goes into the city, he's filthy, dirty, and he's covered in, in, in muck and dirt and blood. Yeah, maybe books tables in restaurants, nobody looks sideways, and that wouldn't happen. There's no way he'd get into the kind of restaurants and bars, you know, he'd just walk in the door like that. Um, but um, there is violence in it, I should point that out. Very, very slow moving. And um, that might not be to people's kind of liking. Uh, there's a scene where he walks up to a house, and it, it takes about three minutes to walk up to the house. He stands in front of the house for about a minute. And you might think, well, that's really dull and boring. But because of the music, because of the camera work, because of Nicolas Cage's extraordinary performance, you just get, you, you just wallow in how beautiful the whole thing is. The cinematography is beautiful. The the, the, the soundtrack is great. And Nicholas is great as well. And this is the best he's been in a very, very long time. Good, good. And, and people are talking about, uh, you know, maybe an Oscar nomination. Whoa. And that would be cool for him, I think. This is great. It is violent. I think it's a 15th cert. It won't be to everybody's uh, liking, as I said, because it is quite slow moving. I loved it from start to finish. I thought it was great. OK, so pig, market out of 10? I give it nine. Nine out of 10. And where is that available? Uh, that's streaming. It's streaming. not cheap. It was about fourteen ninety nine, I think, and it was on the Google Play Store. OK. All right, listen, have a lovely week and we'll chat next Friday, Mark. Okay. Thank you for that. Bye bye. That is Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Can I wrap up some texts and comments that have come in? There's been a bit of reaction to Catherine from Formoy who contacted us, and she is a one income family and is given out about the fact that the back to school clothing and footwear allowance are outside of the means for the means test for it, and she feels that it's unfair and that people with one income coming into a family, she says it's the middle class that are hit every single time, and uh, she feels they get nothing at the back to school clothing and footwear allowance she feels should be paid to all families that has just one income uh, coming in. Uh, Becky in Court Max says in response to Catherine's comment about the back to school cl- clothing and footwear allowance going to people who don't work. The commentator should be advised that there are a very large number of working poor in this country. Many people who work very very hard still fall below the relative poverty line in this country and that there are many people who are earning low income who also receive the, the back to school clothing and footwear allowance and somebody else says and I can't use the language but says uh, one wage total bull beep 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 one wage did us and many of us modern parents don't want to do housekeeping or save modern parents don't want to go to mass because it isn't fashionable modern parents are lazy greedy and selfish and they think they know it all says obviously one of our older listeners who's not in agreement with uh, Catherine's comment uh, for sure and then somebody else is on about the county board announcing the numbers that they can attend the match on Sunday I'm trying to get confirmation on it we do know at the moment it's, it's set at 500 but we do know that it is to be increased but I can't give out the figures until I get absolute confirmation on uh, it and you can hear interviews from both teams on the news at one and further full interviews uh, tomorrow morning on our Saturday morning sports uh, show because we are doing commentary from the uh, match tomorrow. Okay that's where I leave you. Thanks to John Paul. Talk to you on Monday. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 